Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at chumbacasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. You're listening to Everything Out There with your host, Steve Stockton. Hello, friends. Steve Stockton with you here once again, everything out there. Thanks for joining us. Tonight, my guest is Cassie from Tales Told in the Dark YouTube channel. She's going to let us know what she's up to and what all's going on with the channel and beyond that. Cassie, thank you for joining us this evening. Oh, you're so welcome. I'm so I'm excited to do this. this oh, good, good to have you on here. I'm uh, always looking for her guests, and I thought, well, you know, Cassie would be fascinating because I love the narrations and things that you do over there. It has, you know, a, a horror uh, bent to it, of course, Tales Told in the Dark, and there's some really good stuff over there, and you're a good narrator. Uh, Thank you. I'm really enjoying love, it. Love listening to your voice, and uh, love, let us know uh, what's going on with your channel, what's coming up, and uh, I know of a couple of things, but I'll, I'll let you tell them. So uh, the floor is yours. Let's see where, where we go. Well, I'm really loving all the horror. I love the scary. The scary, the better. Um, I just did the Bloody Mary, which did really good. What I'm working on now is Baba Yaga. So I'm out doing research for Baba Yaga and uh, going to give you guys something real nice uh, about her. The Slavic witch from, you know, Russia, of course. But, uh, so got that one going. And I also want to kind of dip into uh, black, um, what is it, Skin Hill, what is his name? Something Jack. <laughs> uh, Spring Hill Jack, maybe? Spring Hill Jack, yes, yes, sorry. That's one of my but, favorite stories from Victorian times. And I love that you're doing Baba Yaga. I remember when I was a little kid, they had her stories, some of them. There's so many of them, too. It's just a part of the, the Slavic or the Eastern European folklore. But uh, there used to be, maybe still, is a little a magazine for kids called Jack and Jill, and that oh. was my introduction to Baba Yaga. There was a lot of wonderful stories over there. See, I'm just kind of learning about her, and she is so intriguing, and yeah, so many, so many stories in the Slavic, uh, you know, uh, culture with the Baba Yaga, uh, you know. Uh, so so far, I'm kind of learning that she was. Uh, a witch out in the woods with her chicken leg hut. And um, a lot of it is about um, she can be good or bad. Like she could 
if you're bad, she can do bad. But if you're good and, and she does good with you. And it's a lot about teaching kids, I think. You know, of course, all of them fairy tales are about being good and, uh, you know, not not talking to strangers or, you know, stuff like that. So I'm really loving Baba Yaga there. Uh, that one's kind of fun. I like doing a lot of uh, mythology uh cryptids i'll be getting more into cryptids like i said spring hill jack like that's like a mystery and i love like mysterious mysterious stuff so i just heard about that um just kind of glancing around youtube i kind of get ideas or sometimes just epiphanies of, of what i want to cover and share with my you know my viewers so been having a lot of fun um also also um I know you like to hear a lot about like rural rural hauntings and, and, and the paranormal that happened to people, which I, I've always, uh, always kind of, uh, since I was about, I think, four years old that I can remember, have had uh, paranormal encounters. Like um, when I would go to San Jose and Fresno to see my dad and my grandma when I was little, I could actually see... Uh, at least I think I was seeing it like, you know, when the when the big old clocks in her house would strike 12, I would see these figures walking down her long hallway, like every time the clock struck midnight. And, um, you know, there's a big old line of ghost spirits, I should say, walking down her long hallway. And um, I don't know why I do not know why I was the only one to to see it but I was the only one um but I think I had something and I think my mom might have had something um but all the time when I was little like I would see um if there was you know ghost around I would see it like and then we moved to a street called Bridge Street when I was little and I just it was a very eerie eerie feeling there and then every night you could hear like the rattling of chains outside and I would look out at the window and you could see like, well, I could see like um, kind of a line of, of men just walking down the road to the left. Uh, they were all had all chained to each other walking down the road. And I was telling my mom about it and she said it sounded like a train, uh, gang i think it's called uh, what's it called um i'm not sure what it's kind of called i was so little but she was trying to tell me it sounded like sounds like a chain gang what they call yeah. down south in, in the old days the prisoners were chained together and forced to do some type of work manual labor and there was uh, guards watching over them with shotguns and stuff yeah so that's fascinating and that four years of age that seems to be a magic age a lot of guests that i've had on here and, and people just that i've talked to and interviewed and stuff otherwise four seems to be the denominator yes. that's what i had my first paranormal experience that i can remember it started around four and basically went through all of childhood now uh, my mom didn't see stuff like i did but my grandmother did her mother so i yeah. think it kind of skips a generation sometimes but usually it comes from uh, the maternal is that, uh, you know, the old crone and, and all that type of thing in witchcraft, the wise old woman. And uh, yeah. I think there's some truth to that. 
Yeah, I definitely had uh, some. I still have something, just not as like it was. And I do, of course, now I'm on medication for, you know, uh, anxiety. And so I don't have a lot of it like I did. But when I was back then, I guess it's maybe because you're so little and you're you're so innocent and you're so close to the, I don't know, they said that you're so close to the veil or whatever, you know, you're just younger. But I, I yes, I've went through a lot just yeah, really, I, I think a lot of it's been educated out of us. You hear that's not true or that doesn't happen or, you know, and just I, you're open to it as a child or I was. And mm -hmm, you know, the, the older I got, the less I experienced, although I have had a lot of uh, paranormal and supernatural encounters later in life. It seemed to be much more active when I was younger and the same with the uh, being an empath or anything like that. I seem to have more of it. Maybe I fine-tuned it, but then another theory I've heard uh, put forth is uh, fluoride in the water and in the toothpaste. Oh. It calcifies the pineal gland in the brain, and that's the, if you believe in, in those theories, that's the seat of the third eye where you're, all your sixth sense and uh, psychic powers and things come in. So if that's calcified over, that more or less shuts it off, and that could be you know, I've heard it put, it's like a conspiracy theory, but that's the reason that there's fluoride in the water and in toothpaste. Okay. It's not so much about teeth, but helping to dumb people down. And then nowadays, you know, we're bombarded with uh, electricity and electronic uh, waves, EMF yes. waves and radio waves and 5G and cell towers and things. It's no wonder that we've lost a lot of that. I think we have those abilities inherently as humans, but it's it's bred out of us or taught out of us or uh, I don't know, but I've always been open to things like that. And me too. I've always been. I love it. I love every paranormal experience I've had, even the, the frightening ones, but the ones you talk about there, seeing the ghosts in the house and sitting here in the chain gang and things, that's, that's frightening. It, it definitely was. I don't know why I was the only one seeing it. And just for like a, a you know four or five year old seeing this stuff, it's like that's just like why would I make up like a chain gang walking down the? It was happening like every night, so there must have been like a, a what do you call it like like a reoccurs like it reoccurred like every night that yeah, I was it could there. Be like a residual haunting yes. where it's kind of stuck in a loop, and it plays over and over. Now the best theory I've heard about that, other than the supernatural is the stone tape theory where certain types of rock, uh, particularly that that has a high quartz or crystalline content, mm -hmm. that it can imprint stuff on there. And if you think about it, uh, a videotape or an audio tape, that's just a, a strip of mylar with ferrous oxide on there. And then when you record either audio or video or both, it charges those particles and then you play it back and you get a repeat of what you recorded. Yes. And that's how stone tape theory works. And uh, I believe there's some truth to that, but then I also believe in the paranormal. I believe in spirits. I don't know necessarily that the dead come back, but I think some of them stay. And that's kind of a, a paraphrasing of a quote from uh, John the Baptist, or uh, John of Patmos, uh, who uh, apparently authored uh, the book of Revelation. So interesting. Definitely. Like, I sometimes feel like my mom is here, but I don't feel like she's here all the time. So I don't know if they come and go or, you know. Yeah, I, I think there's visitations like that. Uh, my mom saw her mother, who had been passed away since 76, and she had uh, 
an encounter with uh, her apparition, uh, her, her mother's apparition in uh, 2002 in uh, October. And uh, she, uh, I was, uh, my daughter was at school. I was out doing something. My dad had gone to, to get some produce or something. I might've been working that day. And uh, my mom was there by herself. She'd just gotten out of the shower and she was uh, drying her hair and standing in front of the mirror. And uh, she just happened to, she'd opened the bathroom door to let the steam out, just happened to glance over and there stood her mother oh, wow. in the hallway uh, in the dress that she was buried in. And it just, it kind of shocked her. She said there was somebody with her, but she could only see the hem of their dress. It looked like a gingham dress. And uh, she looked at her and she said, mama. And she said the, the apparition, it didn't walk, but it just glided backwards down the mm -hmm. hallway toward uh, her and my dad's room. And um, it, it scared her because of that, that whole side of the family. It her, would be scary. It would be. They were into the spiritualism movement from around the turn of the last century. They regularly, when my mom's little girl, she was born in 1927, but when she was little in the thirties, they had seances, uh, table tappings, table tippings, uh, played with a Ouija board. My grandmother was a self-professed gypsy witch. I don't know where the gypsy part comes from because she was born in the Cates Cove area of the Smokies. But I think there's an old country in there somewhere that, that her side of the family was from. But uh, scared my mom. They believed in omens and portents and signs and things. Yeah. And uh, both uh, my dad and I and my brother, who was a Pentecostal minister, I'd tell her, oh, it's just nothing to it. You know, you're probably tired. You were stressed. But she's like, no, I know what I saw. It was my mother. And, um, well, the next year in September, my dad passed away suddenly, uh, two days before his 82nd birthday is in December, or September. And I thought, well, maybe that's what that was all about. Oh, maybe. But then, but then my mom got sick uh, after my dad passed away. Um, she was a three-time cancer survivor. Oh. And um, right after my dad passed, and she'd just gotten a clean bill of health. Well, she went back to the doctor with uh, some pains or something, was diagnosed with another form of cancer that was very fast spreading. Oh, and she passed away 32 days after my dad did. Just She didn't have the will to live without yeah. him. They've been married for 58 years. And, you know, you're together that long. You're yeah. So much a part of the other. But the fascinating thing to me about all that, the day that she saw her mother, it was one year to the day that she passed away. One year oh, to the day. Wow. So that's, that's creepy. So I figure if I ever see my grandmother or <laughs> my mother, I've got a year to get my shit together. So right? Frightening to think about. I'd, I'd, I would rather not know, I think. But in a way, I mean, would you want to know that you had a year left? I, I what, what would you do in a year? Yeah, that's that's. Seems like a long time, but if they were looking at well, you know the end of everything, that's a short amount of time. I mean, maybe I would want to know. At least you'd have a year to, you know what I mean, like to yeah. to say goodbye to everybody. And because I didn't know my mom was going to go, it just happened. You know, I wish I would have had a year to hug her and say goodbye and to ask so many questions that I want to ask now. <laughs> yeah, just one of those things. Same with my grandmother, the one I just talked about. I was 13 when she died, and I wish I had another 13 years to have spent with her. Exactly. She was, she was full of the, the lore, the folklore, and the superstitions, oh. and things about luck, bad luck, good luck, and 
uh, I was afraid of her when I was little. She, you're talking about <laughs> Baba Yaga. She looked like a, a fairy tale witch. She was kind of little and, and bent over. She had arthritis. Her fingers were kind of gnarled. I thought she was a witch. And then she claimed to be. So I was scared of her when I was real small. But, uh, but uh, after that, I, I kind of got over it and uh, enjoyed being around her. Where she used to scare the daylights out of me when I was little. And she knew you know- things. That she had no way of knowing. She literally was like she could read my mind. And that was a frightening thought when you're seven or eight years old. That's incredible. I love it. Yeah, I used to be scared too of like, you know, older ladies that look like that and claim to be claim to be witches. And I used to be scared. And then you yeah. kind of get to start knowing, like, you know, they're not and they're not all bad. I mean, maybe some are, but not all are. Yeah. Well, these days she's what they call a granny witch in the Southern Appalachians or a, a kitchen witch. I mean, the same bowl that I she used that. for crying on Saturday night might have mashed potatoes in it on the <laughs> table Sunday morning. You know, she just, she used whatever she had available. And uh, she was in her own terms, a good witch. She didn't cast spells or anything like that that I know of. She would make good luck charms. She would tell fortunes. She loved to read uh, uh, just regular playing cards, but she had added little symbols and pictures on them herself. And they're very similar to, if you've ever seen the, the believe it or not, this what is called the Gypsy Witch fortune telling deck. They resemble oh, yes. that, which is kind of a Leonard Bond deck, I think. But uh, she wouldn't touch tarot cards. She was afraid of tarot cards. She said there was something evil about those, but yet they used wish boards and, and held seances and things. So I don't know, but it, that always made me wary of tarot cards. Now you've had some experience reading cards. I don't think you do that anymore, but did you ever see anything when you were doing that that, that scared you or upset you or, or is it more of a affirmations um, and type things? Like when I'm like getting my cards read um, or if I'm reading and people are like, that's so on point that's scary like I can feel that it comes from not me it, it doesn't come from the cards it doesn't come from me it's coming from you know the spirit guides and that's just at first it really really scared me and then I I've been doing it for about five six years but I don't really read the tarot if I do read tarot I kind of read it from the book just like oracle I do read the oracle but um and growing up mama was really against tarot stay away from tarot it's evil and then after she passed when i was 29 well actually i didn't start actually reading till i was about 40 but um yeah it was a big taboo like uh, tarot was but now um i do have i have a feeling with tarot that i don't know i just feel like maybe i shouldn't do tarot but i read oracle and i don't know i really don't know um I kind of trust, though, whatever, whatever is with me and that, that's guiding me to give these readings. So I just keep doing it. You know, I know that I'm positive. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm positive. And I just try to think about that. But, yeah, uh, I've, I've read before and years and years ago, back in the late 80s, early 90s, I read tarot cards. But to me, uh, I could I knew the answer. And the cards just uh, were the way I like to describe it. It was uh a concrete object. The tarot cards were to uh, explain an abstract concept. I've had people walk into my house before and I knew what they were going to ask me and I knew the answer. And then it would come up in the cards. And whereas if they just walked in and I said, okay, yeah, it's this, this or this, they're like, yeah, okay. 
But when you, you go through the cards and the cards say what you'd already felt through. Isn't it incredible? Uh, it is. Isn't it incredible? Amazing. And even when I read the Oracle cards, I would have people say it's so spot on. And to me, they were more, well, it depends on the deck, but they were a lot more affirmative, you know, affirmations for people. Yes, yes. Things. There wasn't. And tarot does kind of have a dark aura to it, I think. Although I love yeah. the artwork on some of those decks. I have like eight decks of tarot, and I love them. I don't know how to read them. Um, I'm sure I can learn. I just have a lot of anxiety um, and ADD. So for me, I haven't really, you know, done tarot. Uh, I can I only read from like the book, and then I can, and then I can go um, after I do like a little reading. I can kind of go with what I'm feeling, like what messages do I feel like I'm getting. So I'm kind of getting there. Kind of getting yeah, there. And a lot of it, I think, is learning to just trust your own to intuition. Yes. And, and and you know what you know. And then when the cards display that too, then that's a reaffirmation of your self and whatever abilities you have. It's, it's fascinating to think about. And oh, I, yes. again, I don't know if it's something out there, those cards, or if it's my influence on the cards. It could, could go either I, way, I, I think. I really think we do. I think we have these guides. We have our spirit guides, and they're telling us, like, I always feel like I'm getting these epiphanies or something, but I really think it's the guides saying, hey, why don't you do a story on this? Or just things just pop into my head. And I, sometimes I guess it's just, it could be just ideas, but I really do feel well, that's like. That's an interesting thought that uh, something from beyond our realm is suggesting these uh, wonderful videos that you narrate on YouTube. I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah. I mean, some like sometimes you know I'll just see something on on YouTube and I'll be like, okay, I want to know more about that. I want to know more about like uh, like say the Bell Witch, and so because um, I didn't know about it until like last year, and so I went and did all my own research on the Bell Witch, and then I um, you know did a video on it. And then sometimes it, you know I don't know it's just weird. I feel like these things come and come to me for a reason, like so that you know, I can do good on my channel. Yeah. I do, I feel, you know. And I, I like, love that, the whole Bell Witch legend and folklore. I grew up in East Tennessee. Adams is more Middle Tennessee down near Nashville, but I've been there. I've been to the Bell Witch Cave. Uh, I know Chris Kirby, the lady that uh, does the tours and owns the gift shop and the farm there. And there, there's something there. Um, I went years and years ago and uh, got a tour. I was, uh, my daughter and I were the only ones there at the time. So we got, you know, like a, a personal tour. And um, her, she talked about how her husband had encountered something down there in the cave that he wouldn't even go down there anymore. Oh, wow. And he told her, if you want to do your tours and sell your souvenirs, go ahead, but count me <laughs> out. And uh, Cassie, when, when we were there, there was, we heard stuff back in the cave. And uh, oh, she had one of her dogs with her. The dog heard it. It kind of spooked the dog. But the most fascinating thing, she had a couple of photo albums. And like I said, this was in the early advent of digital cameras. I had uh, Kodak with me at the time that I paid like $1,200 or something dollars for it. It wasn't even a half of a megapixel. Oh. But um, I got some photos in there, some stuff that she said just wasn't there. There was one shot that looked like a board or something coming up out of the ground. There was nothing, no object like that down there. We went back down and looked and uh, she had these two photo albums. She may have more than this. Now, some of those photos that she had taken and some other people had taken and sent to her. And this was old style, you know, regular film or Polaroids. And uh, the most frightening one was taken uh, just outside the cave. 
her uh, daughter and her daughter's friend, when her daughter was small, were sitting there like with her arms around each other, best friends. And around her daughter's neck, there was a snake. It looked like oh, almost like a boa constrictor or something. And she said, my daughter is scared to death of snakes. There's no way she would have sat there with any kind yeah. of snake around her neck with her arm around her friend smiling in the picture. Yet there in the picture was a snake. So it's it's a strange place. There's a lot of weird energy still and there. That's the incredible thing, too, is how are we able to capture certain things in uh and and photographs yeah that's just astounding mind-boggling and then like i said growing up in that area even though i was east of there but a good distance we still heard a lot about that growing up that was there was books about the, the bell witch and uh when i was in school elementary school there was a game similar to bloody mary but it was the bell witch game and at a, a party, I was at one time, little mixer boy, girl birthday party. You know, we were like in third or fourth grade. Uh, they wanted to play that. And the way to play it, you had to go into a dark bathroom and shut the door, similar to Bloody Mary here. Okay. And then you look into the dark mirror and you say, I don't believe in the Bell Witch three times. And she supposedly would come out of the mirror and scratch you. And sure enough, one of the little girls went in there and did it. And she came out and she had scratches on her face. Now, oh as an adult, I suspect she did it herself. But who knows? You never know. And, uh, but it's, it's similar to Bloody Mary. And then there was a, a legend about uh, the book, uh, about the uh, our family problem, I think was the name. It was written by one of the Bell family. Um, you couldn't check it out of the big library in downtown Knoxville. Uh, they kept it in the, the special collection where you could just look at it there. And the story that we were told was that it was because somebody had checked it out and it would, it stayed out. It was long overdue. And then when it finally came back, the guy had been reading it in bed at night and it had some medical emergency happen and died in his bed. And the book was there with him. Oh my gosh. So uh, that was the story that after that you could only, read it in the library but again that's childhood playground stuff who knows but always fascinated with that legend and if you're ever down that way go go see the bell witch cave it's amazing oh someday i definitely want to uh, that's one of my that's like my favorite uh haunting that's the favorite realist haunting is the bell witch now you mentioned going to san jose um have you ever been to the uh, winchester mystery house no, I have. Oh, well, I have been there, but I've never went inside. Um, yeah. I don't know why, um, like my stepmom and my stepsister actually worked there for years. Yeah. And they have many stories. Oh, that would be, I would love be nice. to hear some of their stories. You could probably write a book based on their stories. Yeah. And I, I still haven't kind of gotten all her stories, but she's like, I am full of stories from that place. Uh, but I got to go outside of it when I was younger, and my dad took pictures of me and my sister and brother. Why he didn't take us through it, I don't know. Maybe we were scared because we were like, I think it was like yeah. 10. I've, I've been through it. Now, I don't know. Somebody, this may not be correct information, but somebody told me they're doing overnight stays in it now that you can do a a dark ghost hunt in there at night. I'd, I'd love to do that. I've done the daylight. Too, I would love to do that. Me too. I know my dad was walking through cause he gets, he went through a lot of tours in there and he said he was 
taking pictures because he likes to, he loves taking pictures and he stepped on someone. So he went to turn around and say, excuse me, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. And there was no one there. And he's like, I was, I was freaked out. (laughs) (laughs) I get that from my dad. He loves, he loves like uh, anything scary and ghost stories. And so Yes. Well, it sounds like you come by your love of it honestly. Then it's yes. kind of passed down to you. And me, I got it from my mom's side. My dad, they had their tales and stuff that they told, but they weren't into it like my mom's family. Where they didn't do the seances and all that. But um, he I feel like I being, should have been there. <laughs> yeah, he ended up being a scientist at out at Oak Ridge National Laboratory. So, um, and I said this on the Belief Hole podcast that I was the unlikely uh, perfect storm of uh, science and superstition sprang forth bewildered and that's true you know the superstition yeah. side of my mom's side of the family and then my dad now they all weren't scientists they were farmers over on the cumberland plateau in middle tennessee but he got out of all that and went to the university of tennessee knoxville and became you know educated became a scientist he was the only one of his family that pursued that sort of thing but yeah i was i was born out of that well, that's neat. You got your, you know, they've got to be smart. From- but even as a scientist, though, he talked about there were just things that you couldn't explain, uh, you know, particularly with the supernatural and the paranormal. But he said even under laboratory conditions, they would have anomalous results sometimes. He said there was stuff that happened in the lab under control conditions that wasn't supposed to happen. Yet wow. they witnessed it happen and they couldn't get it to happen again. And he said, there's just some things that there's no explanation for. There, there are anomalous results in everything, in nature and in the supernatural. Are you are you the kind of person that has to have that proof? Or are you, because that's my thing is, sometimes you know, I just want the proof. Yeah, I'd love to have proof, but I think there aren't any answers. I, I started out when I was a child looking for answers, but... The longer, I, and I, like I said, I started when I was around four or five having these experiences. So, you know, it's been 50-something years now, and I find that the older I get, um, the less answers there are and the more questions I have. So uh, I gave up looking for the answers. I'm on looking for the next set of questions. Me too. Me too. Um, you're right, because there is there is no answers to a lot of a lot of these things. Uh, and I'm a believer. I'm an experiencer. I've seen all kinds of things that I can't explain that there is no rational explanation for. And there were times when there was somebody with me that experienced it too. So it wasn't, you know, something, my imagination or hallucination or anything like that. It was something that happened that was inexplicable. So I, I believe, I believe there's something out there either Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I don't want to, I don't, it's, that, that's where I get into trying to define it. It, it gives me consternation. Is it uh, another realm? Is it something, you know, through the veil just on the other side? And sometimes I had a lady describe it to me once. It's like, think of two pieces of silk. And they mm-hmm. come together sometimes where you can see what's printed on both pieces and then they part and you can only see one again. That's, so that's, true. that's probably a, an apropos explanation. But I think there's an alternate timeline or an alternate universe or something out there besides what what we have here. And we get little glimpses of it sometimes, usually when you least expect it. Uh, my most astounding experiences have been when I was just doing something mundane and it just happened. And then I'll go to some place that's haunted or where they've seen cryptids or Bigfoot or whatever and a big nothing burger. But yeah. I've come to expect that. I think since I was young, um, probably about 11, we lived out um, on Forest Service property out in the forest in this Forest Service compound. And we're surrounded by like tons and tons and tons of woods, and we had no neighbors. But I, I could still feel like when we go out, out hiking a little bit with dad, because we were on home studies at that time, you could just feel something out there in the woods. Like I could even, I just I felt like there was, I felt like there was portals, some kind of portals. I really did. Even at 10 years old, you could just feel something out in those woods. And I know that I probably sound crazy. But have you ever experienced uh, anything weird like that? Like- oh, yeah. I just, I grew up just outside of the, the Great Smoky Mountains. It was about an hour away by car. So once I was old enough to drive, I went into the Smokies a lot. I camped and hiked up there. Um, and there, there's places in the woods that just, they have a certain feel to them. And I've had people say that, you know, there's there's not anything in the woods or there's not anything strange in the woods. And I think you just either haven't had the right experience or you ignored it or you're not open to it, but there's all kinds of things out there. And uh, that's some of my most jarring experiences were in deep woods. That's the other thing, you know, I did one yeah. on a uh, hiking path or going up to Cleveland's dome. Yes. I, I like the off trail stuff and that's where the strangest stuff has happened to me, although it can happen anywhere, I think, but there is, there's something out there. I don't know if it's portals or some kind of entities, or uh, the little people. I mean, there's so many different things that, from a paranormal sense, make sense. I can I can even feel it. Like I said, I was a little kid, like 11, and he was really, my dad was really good about knowing these these woods, so we would play, you know, cowboys and Indians with him, And but as far as he would take us and deep into these woods, you could just get this eerie feeling in certain areas. I, I could feel it. And it's just crazy. And I, I, I've believed in it since I was little. Like, there's something out there. Yeah. And the most disturbing thing to me is to be in the woods and everything go absolutely quiet. Still, like you hit uh-huh. the mute button. You can't hear the wind. You can't hear the birds or the water or uh, exactly. traffic in the far distance or anything. But that's usually a hint to me that I need to get out of where I am, turn around and go another way or go somewhere else. Because... That to me, when that's happened to me, it's always been a precursor to something weird happening. 
And uh, instead of going forward, I'll turn around and go the other way because I, I might not want to experience what's out there. Yeah, like we always say, I'm like, Dad, come on, let's let's go back, let's go back closer to home. <laughs> but you could just feel it, and uh, uh, I, I'm so intrigued by by that kind of stuff. Uh, so many people probably don't believe or or haven't thought about it, or haven't experienced it. But once you experience something, I think if you're more maybe like, like you said, more open. Yeah, and I think a skeptic is somebody that just hasn't had the right experience yet. Because exactly. I, I know there's stuff out there. I know I've, I know what I've felt. I know what I've seen. I know what I've experienced. And nobody could ever convince me that I didn't experience those things. But yet there's no explanation for them. Exactly. Uh, I I do. I don't know if I'm just empath. I think I might just be really empath. Can really, I, but I used to see the uh, spirits. Uh, as I got older, I could feel, I could start feeling like something's not right. Something's, like we move into certain places. Um, and uh, a lot of dreaming, a lot of crazy dreams. Um, definitely, I don't know if that's part of, you know, abilities, but. Um, I, I think it is. And I talked about that uh, when I was on the belief hole for my interview over there. I believe we dream travel. I think there's an alternate reality, or uh, alternate reality rather, or a dream place that we travel to. Because I dream sometimes of the same place, but time will have passed there since my last visit there. But okay. there are things that I recognize in places that I've, I've been before, where I, I know that I've never been in real life. I don't know what that's about. If it's just, you know, the brain having a big time when I'm in REM sleep, but that's another thing. Um, I don't go through stages of sleep. I'm dreaming a lot of times before I'm even asleep. It's like I'm watching television or something, but I go directly into REM sleep. And I do, I've had some wild dreams that seem to go on for hours or sometimes days. And, you know, then you wake up and you've only been asleep a short amount of time. Yes. And there's a, some kind of time element there too, where it stretches or lengthens or it does something, but, uh, there's a whole world out there in dreams. And I think there are dreams that are more than just dreams. Like I said, oh, it's definitely. either dream travel or, or something. I know when I, um, one time I fell in our bathroom and we had this like metal trash can. I fell on it and of course it knocked me out. And it felt like I was under forever. And then my mom, you know, woke me up, like, wake up, wake up. Um, but it, but it's just so different how the time is different from when you're under than yeah. when you're, you know. When I was a teenager, I knocked myself out skateboarding one time. And uh, when I came to, I thought I'd been out for hours and it had been like maybe five minutes. But there's there was just no no time, no sense of time with that experience. Yeah. Of course, I kind of feel like that's how the other, like how, what, uh, maybe pull you know, spirits uh, are the time. Time is different. Time is so different there than, than we experience it, which we already kind of knew about that, but it's definitely crazy. Yeah, the time I is think different. time in the, the supernatural realm, it passes a lot differently, if at all. I mean, yeah. I account for some of these spirits that it date back. The, the oldest ones I've heard of were in a basement in England where the guy saw Roman soldiers marching through his basement and uh, I did a little research and found out that the level of the basement at one time was the, the road to there, the, the Roman way. Uh -huh. But again, what the foundation stones of that house, was it stone tape or was he seeing 
actual apparitions, but I know here in New England, uh, my wife Nicole knows a person that has a boy. He saw ghosts of uh, Revolutionary War soldiers in the, the trees behind his house. Oh. You know, so I, and particularly things to do with war, and in, in particular the Civil War. I don't think there's a single Civil War, not a battleground or smaller places where there was maybe a little skirmish, but some bloodshed. Those places are all affected. And I think there was just such an energy there. It was the first time that Americans had fought Americans on American soil. Yeah. And, it, it, you know, some of those battles were just horrendous. And I think that this loss yeah. of life, the sudden and, and tragic loss like that, there are people that are left behind when that happens. They don't realize they're dead. To, it sounds yeah. kind of cliche, but uh, I think uh, some of the dead don't know they're dead. That's what I think, too. And that's why, the, the you know, you get the hauntings in the certain areas. Um, my mom was living in Montana, and she was walking through the ghost town. I guess they call it a ghost town because, uh, you know, nobody lives in there anymore. Um, and she had the, she was taking pictures of the grandkids in front of all the, the houses with the windows. And then um, I'll have to find it, but there's a picture that I zoomed in and you can see like a woman from a different era with the, with the hat, the clothes. And I'm like, well, that's neat, mom. Yet there's people dressed up in there. And she's like, no, no, there's not. But yeah, she caught in her picture uh, in the window, like, um, like a woman with a big old dress and a hat. I'll have to look for it. But it's, it's just incredible. So neat how you can catch that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, my brother, he's, he's passed away now, but he had a picture outside one of those old cabins there in the Cades Cove area, the Smokies, uh, where he was standing next to an old chimney, but with his back against, uh, almost against the cabin. And then when the picture, they had to have him developed, but in the picture, there's a man standing behind him a lot taller than he is, a couple of feet taller. Now, my brother wasn't that tall. He was about five, three, five, four, I think. He was shorter than I am. But this guy had to be over six feet tall, and he's right behind my brother. I mean, you can clearly see him. But he's like, there's no way there was somebody standing behind me. Number one, I would have noticed. And number two, his wife took the picture. She would have noticed. There was nobody there when the picture yeah. was taken, yet there was somebody behind him. Uh, I, I don't understand things like that other than it is something supernatural. Definitely. Um, definitely, um, yeah, like they're 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 there, like they're 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 still there, and they're, they're coming through. And I, I don't know why sometimes we can't see them, but we can, you know, we we just capture capture them in the, in the pictures or, um, all of it. It's it's just it's it's neat. And I know that I have my mom's old radio, and it uh, it turns off and on by itself. Not, I'm not sure if that is supernatural, but it, I, I feel like it is. It, I feel it like seems it is. like it is. I've had stuff like that happen where maybe something that wasn't plugged in or didn't even have any batteries in it, if it was battery operated, would come on and then turn off. And there was no way that it, that even possible from a electricity and electronics standpoint. But I've, I've experienced that myself. The crazy thing is, the reason I really do also think that it was it was paranormal is because 
it like stopped and it was it was doing like a you know how the record players used to um like stop and they would like say the same thing over and over i think it was the record players well her her radio stopped and it was saying sue 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 and that's her name that's what wow. she went by was sue and i was like me and my sister were screaming it was so incredible i wasn't scared but it kind of scared me at first they were saying Sue, Sue, Sue. This was like, like, I think a couple of days, you know, like maybe a week after she was gone. Maybe she wanted us to know. I think she wanted you to know. I think that was a, a message from beyond, just letting you know that uh, she's still around or she hasn't left or she I'm just crying. I was like, ah, because it was saying her name. <laughs> but but yet it's frightening. Her. I mean, uh, there's a, a tradition in the South when somebody dies, they uh, cover the mirrors and that's. Oh, uh, my grandmother would say, you know, that that's so the spirit doesn't see itself and get trapped in the mirror. Oh. And she'd say nobody wants to be haunted no. by even somebody they knew and loved. They want them to move on and, and go on. But I think sometimes they do pay visits or and it's not always a visual thing. I've heard things I've, I've certain smells mm-hmm. uh, like uh, heard coins rolling across the floor, marbles, that sound when there was nothing there. I've smelled phantom smells and things before. I'm smelling cigarette smoke, and she's yeah. a big smoker. Oh, big smoker. Pipe tobacco and cigar smoke and things like that in a building where there was no, nobody smoking anything, including me. Yeah. I've had people say that, you know, oh, that's, you're having uh, yeah. olfactory hallucinations or you've got a brain tumor or something, but, you know, it was something that happened years and years ago and I've, I've experienced it at other times beyond that but it's not something i do all the time yeah and it's not uh and I, I used to think that uh every house that i'd ever lived in was haunted to a degree but me too in the last few years i think it's me that's haunted i don't think because i can go to a place where maybe people have lived there all their life and never experienced anything i could be there and feel things or see things or I think it's your abilities and I think it's because whatever it is the the spirit world or whatever knows that I'm open to it and that I can they um I've heard it described as like a moth to a candle you know that they see that candle in the darkness as me and they come toward it um I lived in a very active haunted house in Las Vegas and the roommate I had that lived there for years never experienced anything I move in and the place goes nuts Exactly. And, uh, it's I, I think it's me. I'm haunted, but that's okay. <laughs> I, I love it. <laughs> I I, it it used to scare way. me. It, yeah, it does scared me too. Still does sometimes, but uh, it's as the Grateful Dead saying, "What a long, strange trip it's been." But I wouldn't want it any other way. I think the the whole journey would have been much more mundane and boring without yes. the incursion of the supernatural. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. 
In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I think once you get used to it and you know that nothing's, you know, there to to hurt you or, you know, or scare you, you kind of start getting more like... Okay, I, I can handle this. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I feel like I kind of pushed um, anything away when my mom passed. Like, I don't want, I don't, I don't want to know, see anything. I don't want to see anything. I'm scared. But yeah. I think like 10 years after she was gone, I was like, okay, I, you know, I can do this. I'm ready. But yeah, now I'm fine. But back then I was a scaredy cat. And, yeah. and I think that if there is a way, for especially close family like that, loved ones, to reach back and let you know they're okay or that they're thinking about you or that they know you're thinking about them. I think that's what that is sometimes. Uh, Definitely. Um, I know I still get, every once in a while, I'll be sleeping and I'll wake up to my toes and feet being tickled. I am now, I I believe it's mom because that's what she used to do when I was alive. And uh, I used to scream at the kids because, you know, I'd wake up and I'd think it was them. And then I learned it. It, it wasn't. But I'm really thinking, for some reason, she's still tickling my feet. Yeah. Now, I've never seen my mom or dad, but I dream about them often, particularly my dad and my brother. I dream about my brother. And in my dreams, he didn't actually die, but like he went off the grid or underground yeah. or whatever, and he's still alive. And then, you know, I'll wake up and realize, well, that's not the truth. But it's it's interesting, nonetheless, just that you have those feelings and have things happen. I've heard of people finding feathers or finding mm-hmm. coins, and they say that that's one way that uh, you can get a message from beyond. And I've had that happen. Uh, I've lived in a, a place before that had an entirely fenced yard. The gate was locked. And yet I'd walk outside and there on the, the sidewalk right in front of the house would be a coin or yeah. I've been walking before and have a feather fall out of nowhere out of a clear sky and land either in front of me or even on me. Now that might be a little more easily explained. Birds fly, they lose. Feather. Yeah. Yeah. I used to find stacks of pennies galore after Ma passed. I don't know if it was maybe the kids pack the, stacking the pennies everywhere but I would find stacks of pennies just everywhere, outside the house, inside the house. Um, I, I would always, in that time frame, think, well, that's mama. <laughs> yeah. Again, food for thought, something to think about, something to ponder. I, up until recently, I was a, a chronic and, and lifelong insomniac, and I only slept two or three hours at a time. And I've had people say, well, that's the reason you experience some of these things that sleep deprivation. But Mm -hmm. again, all my life, uh, I've been sleep deprived. So I I don't think it's that, but that's the kind of things I used to think about when I couldn't sleep. I'd lay there and just ponder the imponderable, if you will, and think, what if? And that's, that's a fun game to play in the middle of the night. Yeah. I know my most of my things happen when I'm almost asleep. When I'm almost into that that sleep, but I'm not quite asleep. Things happen like I'm so close to I don't know what it is. Like I can hear like my mama or something. I'm I'm not quite asleep, but I'm not awake. So like between the two, you know, worlds, uh, you're so close to maybe the the bell. I don't know, but a lot of it happens when I'm like 
almost asleep. That's me, just in that twilight stage of not quite asleep, but not awake. And like I said, I go right into REM sleep. I'm usually dreaming, but that's when things happen. That's I've had uh, dreams, premonition type dreams and things yes. while I was in that state. And I think just your body's starting to relax and your mind is, so your brain is switching gears mm -hmm. and it makes you more open to those types exactly. of experiences. And I think there's, there's people that, you know, can lucid dream and things and that's what they do. They've learned to control that part of their brain to where they can do that all the time. I've had some lucid dreams, but I don't dream that way all the time, just in a small yeah. fraction of the yeah. time where you can control your dreams or flying dreams and things like that. I mean, I love those kind of dreams, but yes. I have some frightening ones too. And I, I even like those. It's like, you know, free horror movie or whatever. You yeah. wake up and like, Oh, thank God it was a dream. Oh, when I was younger, I would, I would be like trying to wake myself. I was sleeping. You know how you, you're sleeping sometimes when you're having these really bad nightmares. And I don't know if anybody else does this, but I was trying to wake myself I've had sleep paralysis like that too, that too, where things were going on and I knew I was aware of these things happening, but I couldn't wake up. I couldn't move. I couldn't cry out. And Cassie, I experienced that from early childhood. The first time I can remember, I was about two or three years oh old. My, gosh. my brother yep. still lived with us and he uh, got married, moved out when I was three. My nephew was born when I was four and it was prior to that. And, that was what I thought at first that my brother had come into the room and was holding the covers over me and I couldn't move or get up. And then when that process finally broke, um, went tearing down the hall, he was standing in the bathroom shaving. So okay. it wasn't him. Nobody had been in my room and I was just, it didn't really scare me as much as like, you know, what was that? You know, what the hell? Yes. <laughs> Even as a kid, it's like, Hmm. That's not supposed to happen. I really I that way, even with my paranormal experience, the first full body apparition I ever saw, it didn't scare me. It just made me curious. And more or less, that's what started me on my lifelong uh, look into the supernatural. That is neat. Um, I've only experienced it one time. Um, um, I, let's see, Deanna is my oldest. She was four months old. And um, yeah, waking up in the morning, I could look around, but I couldn't move. And um, like the, I was like almost choking on my saliva, kept swallowing and having a hard time swallowing. I thought I was gonna drown in my own saliva and I could not move for I don't know how long. It was the scariest thing ever. Yeah, I haven't had an episode of it in, in years, but it's it's very frightening and uh, I've had it occur all kinds of different places. Once when I was in college, it was in the wintertime in an older building, and I sat next to the radiator, and I had uh, it was a meteorology class, and the professor I had had a very deep, monotone voice, and I was listening to him drone on and on about cloud formations. Wow. And I fell asleep in the, the back of this classroom next to the radiator and had sleep paralysis. Oh, my gosh. And I, I couldn't wake up. I couldn't move. I could hear the the professor but i couldn't couldn't do anything it's just like i was just frozen and finally i snapped out of it and apparently nobody noticed it seemed like i'd been out including the little table i was sitting at there was a guy sitting right next to me he didn't seem to be paying any attention but i mean i've done it before where i've cried out in my sleep wow when i was I, wonder what, I just wonder what causes it 
it's just I, crazy. I've heard everything from visitations to uh, alien, uh, some sort of abduction or pre-abduction, or uh, some people equate it with missing time. And I have felt a presence when I've had that. I've never seen anything when I have yeah. sleep paralysis, but I can feel like something's in the room with me. And sometimes there would be a tone, like a, almost a musical tone. Oh, wow. It gets louder and louder and louder. And I'm thinking in the process, you know, I'm going to see how long I can stand this. And then it gets to a point where it's so loud, it feels like my head's going to explode. And then I start trying to wake myself up. And uh, I can usually do it. It takes a while sometimes. But again, it's been years since I've had any of that. Certainly haven't had any since I've been married. And yeah. uh, almost six months now and that's cured a lot of my insomnia now too oh, I've been sleeping six seven even eight hours some nights and that's, oh, that's I've awesome. never that much. even as a kid my parents would go to bed i would stay up and watch johnny carson and the tomorrow show with tom snyder and a lot of times watch the the tv sign off you know back in the day they used to play the national anthem and then the yes. test pattern and then they would just go to uh, static or snow and then I, I would shut that off and I would read a book or something. Finally fall asleep about two or three hours before time to get up, get up, have a cup of coffee, go to school. And yeah, I drink, I started drinking coffee when I was a baby. I would want oh, coffee wow. in the bottle with my milk. Oh my gosh. And uh, nowadays they teach you that it's, yeah, caffeine's not good for babies, but I, I think it was me and my daughter was the same way. She would want, uh, she first started out when she was big enough to walk, you couldn't leave a coffee cup sitting around. She'd grab it and start drinking out of it. And then she started asking for it. And she's still on the bottle. And when she was going to kindergarten, first grade, she would have to have a cup of coffee in the morning before she left. Oh, wow. or she would be a, a bear, you know, the rest of the day. I get it. I'm the same way. I've got to have coffee. First thing. Sounds like thing my youngest. <laughs> here in New England, uh, they drink iced coffee here around them. I'm kind of getting used to that, but when I get up in the mornings, the first thing I want is a good hot cup of coffee yes. to get my day going. And it used to be a cigarette was the other thing, but I quit smoking about a year ago. And so now uh, caffeine is my big vice. I can't have caffeine, but so I try to do different things, you know. It yeah. sucks. It's, it's hard. I love my coffee. Yeah. And, and there's always decaf or green tea or something like that, but... I don't know. To me, I just, I love my caffeine. Always will. I hope I never get to the point that I can't enjoy coffee. And uh, I have anxiety and stuff too. Uh, years and years ago, started, I think in my thirties, I was diagnosed with uh, generalized anxiety and uh, had some panic attacks and things. And oh, I'm yeah, yeah. supposed to lay off caffeine, but if I didn't have my caffeine, I'd have the world's worst headache. If I don't have a coffee, in yes. the morning when I get up by lunchtime, I've got a, a splitting headache. I have no energy without coffee. So and, I try uh, to do like protein, you know, protein drinks. Yeah. And, and I'm not really caffeine sensitive. I'm sitting here drinking a cup right now and it's <laughs> nine o'clock on the East Coast. Some people can. Some people can drink that coffee and still still. I'm, I'm only sensitive in the fact if I don't get it. But if, if I, I can drink a pot of coffee and go right to sleep when I do sleep. Oh, wow. Never slept much. And, you know, it's it's been a pain sometimes, but it's afforded me. Basically, I've been able to live two lifetimes. And one, I, when I work <laughs> regular jobs and things, I always work two full-time jobs and then had hobbies and, and sidelines and stuff uh, in 
I lived in Las Vegas for those 10 years. I worked two full-time jobs and had a photography studio. I I had two half days off. And uh, the rest of the time I was either uh, working two shifts and then doing my photography studio in the off hours and just afforded me a lot of experiences. I used to do photography too. I haven't done it in a couple, like five years, but I used to love photography. That would be neat if you and Nicole could get out there and, and take pictures. Yeah, that, that's something we plan to do. We've got cameras, digital cameras. Uh, I got her a drone. She had an interest in uh, getting her little FAA license that she gets so you can pilot those drones. Oh, okay. Shoot a lot of our own stock footage, but uh, I was raised around photography. That was one of my dad's hobbies. He had his own dark room and things at home. So I grew up around it. I still somewhere, I think my sister-in-law has it, the first picture I ever took, which was one of the mules, a black and white study of two mules in the barn at uh, my dad's um, mother's, uh, the farm that he grew up on when I was about three or four years old. So I just, I, I got so into cool. it honestly and just found out I had a predilection for it and kind of a knack for it. And uh, I worked in uh, print and fashion and catalog and back then did a lot of website work. But uh, Las Vegas was a good place to, to have a photography studio because um, every cocktail waitress or yeah. uh, blackjack dealer was just waiting to be discovered and make their break, you know, as a model or an actress or something. And oh, that's cool. They get a new outfit or a new hairstyle. They'd want to update their portfolio and. I was the guy to go to. And part of that was because I worked, I managed a photography lab in uh, one of the big casinos, the in-house photography lab. So I got to print my own stuff for free. So I was only a photographer in town that, uh, in addition to your sitting fee, you got uh, free eight by 10 prints too. So I, I kind of have oh, a lot of that. <laughs> yes, definitely. But I haven't done that in, in a lot of years, but I enjoyed it. And I, I helped some people. There was one girl that I helped put her portfolio together. She went on to sign with a Ford modeling agency in New York. That's prestigious. Oh. But then she uh, fell in love with some guy and got pregnant and left her modeling career behind. Oh. So, best laid plans of buy some men, but yeah. But yeah, that's uh, we, there's some places here in New England that we want to visit, spooky places, uh, particularly in Connecticut. I think that's the most haunted state in New England, if not maybe the entire country. I know the Warrens found a lot of stuff there. I know they apparently don't have the credibility they once used to. I mentioned the Warrens and somebody yeah. was like, nah, you don't want to be associated with that. But they oh. were on some things and they, I think, uh, embellished things to some degree but exactly out there there's a lot of stuff here and um springtime gets here where there's some cemeteries i want to visit there's a haunted cemetery in massachusetts i want to go to called spider gates and uh i want to get that drone out and see what we can we can find that's going to be exciting i know that's spooky yeah judy was boring hello then judy discovered chumbacasino.com it's my little escape now judy's the life of the party oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon whoa take it easy judy the chumba life is for everybody so go to chumbacasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Attention all Ground Zero radio fans. GroundZeroMerch.com is your one-stop shop for all things Ground Zero. Oh, wow. Show off your style with our exclusive collection of T-shirts and hoodies. They're not just comfortable, they're conversation starters. Need to keep hydrated during those long listen sessions. Get your hands on our durable water bottles. And now introducing our latest additions, a hand-picked selection of intriguing books that will keep your mind buzzing. GroundZeroMerch.com. Support Ground Zero and everything we do. Yeah, just get out there and practice with the drone. And I, I watch, what is that called? Oh, this guy does, oh, you probably know this big channel where he goes to like the, the graves or whatever and talks about how they were like murdered. Cases, cases, oh, I can't remember. I'm not sure what you're talking about, but it sounds like something I'd definitely watch. But he takes the drone and does the drone footage uh, into the intro. Then it comes down on him and he's talking about like um, the person he's talking about their grave and, you know, their story, you know, how they were, how they were murdered or whatever. Faces of the unknown or something. I'll, I'll check that out if I can find it. That sounds interesting. You probably, you probably already know and watch it. I just, I can't think of it right now, but yeah. Anyways, it's the drone thing though. It's really neat that what he does with it and, you know, takes it around yeah. the cemetery and around. I, I don't watch YouTube as much as I'd like to because running my channels is that's a full-time job. And uh, especially on among the missing, I've got over 102,000 subscribers now. It, it takes a lot of work, but when I can, I, I you'd think, you it know, really is the last uh, thing I want to do sometime is look at YouTube, but there's exactly. so many different that's channels. True. I read somewhere not too long ago. I think there's like 112 million channels out there. So that's, oh my that's a lot of content. Some of it better than others, but there's some fascinating stuff out there. There really is. I know I'm just kind of doodling around on there sometimes, just kind of trying to think of like, if there's something that I don't know and I want to learn about so I can teach my viewers, yeah. you know. Yeah, I've found that a lot of times, just something simple, you know, what they call life hacks or life hacks rather, or yeah. uh, home repairs or Basically, anything you want to know how to do, somebody's made a video on how to do it. Exactly. And I'll watch those sometimes instead of reading the instruction manual for stuff. <laughs> I do, too. I do, too. I have to <laughs> watch it so I can learn more. Uh, that's how I learn, too. Can't just, like, read it. I have, to, I have to actually watch somebody doing it. Or do it myself, you know, and then do it myself, of course. But, yeah. But it's it's a lot of fun. I wouldn't want it any other way. Um, I've been, I've had, those partners in another channel that I grew to over a quarter million, but that didn't end so well. So now I'm doing my own thing. And, uh, I've always there took, uh, right at three years to build it up to that. And then I struck out on my own when that fell through. And then I've, I've done what I'm able to do now over a hundred thousand in about nine months. So I'm doing something right. People, I don't know, the content or my voice or something. I get a lot of compliments on my voice. I don't like the way I sound. I never had. But I don't think any of us like the way we sound, yeah. but people love it. People yeah. are loving and it. I get people, I listen to you to go to sleep. I have fibromyalgia. I have PTSD. I have anxiety. Your voice calms me. And I think, you know, um, right on. if it helps you, then, then God bless you. I'm happy to do it. But Makes yeah, you feel really I, good. Yeah, and I enjoy writing, too. That's my... First love, really, that was how I got into narrating. I'd written uh, my first book, Strange Things in the Woods, and I'd gotten kind of over into the narration stuff. And uh, 
thought I'd like to do that, but what would I narrate? And then I thought, well, I've got this book of stories here. So I started narrating some out of my books and just kind of went from there. And then 2023, I just published my 20th book. Uh, one of those I co-wrote with Cisco, but the other 19. And uh, I've got at least that many more. I mean, sometimes it's just finding the time to sit down and, and work on it with all the other stuff. That's neat, though. But uh, I like to work on several projects at a time. Uh, currently, I'm writing about six books. And that oh. way I don't get any writer's block. If I get stuck somewhere, I just jump over to the other one. and, and that's neat. Figure. Yeah, I multitask like that. So it's, it's a lot of fun. What about you? Have you got any books uh, planned? I, I, the, your uh, stories from your family there in Winchester House, I think that would make an excellent book. You just interview them and write their I might, story. I might try to do that. Um, uh, stepmom and all her, and my stepsister about all the mystery. Uh, Winchester House. Um, I'd like to do something about all my stuff that I went through growing up too, what I've seen. Um, like you know the the dreams the the poltergeist uh, hauntings. Yeah, fascinating! I love those type of books. That's what uh, my book, My Strange World, is. That's autobiographical. Just a few of my personal paranormal experiences. The way that came about, I had the first book, Strange Things in the Woods, which is stories from family and friends and friends of family and things like that. And once that became a bestseller, I'd get invited to a radio or a TV show or something and especially if it was a call-in show, people would say, well, these are other people's stories. Have you ever experienced anything strange? And I'd yeah. tell one story or another. And one day I just thought, you know, I've probably got enough stuff to fill a book. And that's the way that one came about. And I could do two or three more volumes of that now. So and that's one of the things I love about you, because I've seen you and I've known you on you know, YouTube for a couple of years, is that you are full of stories. You can tell so many stories. And I love uh because you know we all just love to sit and listen all your stories i like that well, well thank you i appreciate that and that's i'm, I'm a raconteur i'm a storyteller that's what i do and I, I love to do it in the written word but then i found out i was able to do it in the spoken word too and again i've never liked the way i sounded but if people like it rock on and uh uh they like me here on the clyde lewis radio network or ground zero radio network so uh, I must be doing something right. And Nicole, that's that's how we met. Uh, she'd been uh, listening to me for several years and uh, kind of reached out, and uh, we were working on a book together and uh, just kind of went from there. And here I am, uh, almost married six months, and a lot of stuff going on here. And, uh, it's about to happen, yeah. Real, real excited about everything. I've never been happier, so there you go. It can happen anytime, anywhere. Exactly. I love that. That's awesome. You're going to have more stories to tell. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I've never really ventured that much into New England. So I'm really looking forward to, to going places here and, uh, you know, boots on the ground and checking things. I want to go to Salem, Massachusetts for Halloween. Never been there. There's a, a walking ghost tour in Boston that I oh, yes. there. There's another in Rhode Island. And there's a cemetery there where H.P. Lovecraft is buried. And that's where I proposed to Nicole. That oh. was where uh, Edgar Allan Poe proposed to his wife, was in that cemetery. And so there's there's all kinds of connections and subtext and and things there. So You can write a book. Yeah. <laughs> there, there'll be one in it, I'm sure. That'd be awesome. I can't wait. I can't wait. Uh, 
I, 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 inspiration. I hope that I can do, do a lot of these things like you do. Yeah, Very and, inspiring. Uh, if you can find the time, the hardest thing to me, writing, is just find the time to sit down to do it, literally, but in seat and write. And I've got so many things that I've outlined. I've got movie scripts that I'm working on. I've got all kinds of other books and things. And it's just uh, finding the time to do it and then getting that discipline. Like back when a lot of these, you know, I had a certain time of day. This is my writing time. Sit down and write and write and write. And the time gets away from you. Like, okay, I'm going to write for an hour. You know, look up and maybe three hours has passed. You know, I get lost in those worlds. I'm working on a novel too. So I've, I've done short stories and things, fiction. And uh, this is the first real attempt at long form. And I think it's a good story. So we'll see. I wonder how long it takes to write a novel. I bet you it probably kind of depends too, though. Yeah, it depends on what you're writing about and how good and how fast of a writer you are, I suppose. Yeah. But, uh, you know, they have, uh, I didn't participate in it, but they have uh, NaNoWriMo, National Novel Writing Month, which is oh, in wow. November. And that's the challenge. You you try to uh, start the first of September, by the end of September, you've written a novel. And they have uh, competitions and um, you have so many words a day that you have to write and things. I think the goal is like 30,000 words. That's more oh than novella, I think, but... Uh, I've written that much in a weekend before, so it, it's possible. That is neat. Sometimes I sometimes I can sit down and write. Uh, sometimes I'm blocked. I feel like I have that ADD. So how do you get past any of that? Well, again, that's where, to me, that's where multiple projects come in. I've always got something I can work on. That's true. And, uh, I, I like having that. I don't like just putting all my energy into one thing and then getting stuck and having to do additional research or rewrite. I, I don't like rewriting either. I try to rewrite as I go. So by the time I'm done, it just needs to send it over to the editor. And that's a luxury too. going with a traditional publisher. I've got an yeah. editor. I've got a publicist. I've got an agent. I've got a, a book designer. I've got a cover uh, artist. You know, all those things help. That's when you do it all yourself, it's, it's a lot Definitely. more work. But uh, I would encourage you to pursue it. Um, I encourage Cisco. She's got a, uh, she had a book, a good one that we did together. It was mainly her writing. I um, have that book. Do you? Uh, yes. We're mm -hmm. all children in the wilderness of the afterlife, a guided tour through a haunted life. Took me two years to say that without tripping over myself. <laughs> but uh, I was kind of color commentary. I just went along behind her and and talked about what she said, but it, it's a good book. And uh, it is really good. A couple other people that I've encouraged. Uh, Terry Brown, I don't know if you know him, Tales of the Sonic yes. Voyage. He's working on a book. And through my encouragement, he and I are doing one together. So I'm excited about that. That is exciting. Stick with it. It's uh, the, the more you do it, the easier it gets. And if I can do it, anybody can do it. I especially love the narrating. I love putting together. I just put it together like a script, you know, the script. And then, um, and I start, you know, narrating and, oh, it's just so fun to put it all together. It's, it's yeah, so fun. It is. And you've asked me to be a part of a project you're working on. You're recreating uh, an audio version of Dracula. Now, I don't yes. know. That seems like a lot of work. I wouldn't want to be producing that myself, but you've asked me to do the part of Van Helsing. I can't wait. Um, yeah. Um, Tattooed biker, um, yeah. he's going to be part of it. 
Yeah, I've had him on this show. He's he's a great guy too. So yeah, it's gonna be a big project, but you know, it's it's a lot of work, and I think it's gonna be awesome. Yeah, I think so too. And and you've got a voice. People like to listen to you. Uh, Lee G over at First Floor Audio yeah. he always talks about how he said that you are the like the female Steve Stockton. He likes to listen to me, and he likes <laughs> to listen to you. And I hope he, he meant that as a compliment. And I hope yeah, yes. But uh, I enjoy listening to you. You've got a pleasant mm -hmm. voice, and uh, thank you. I can't can't say enough good things about uh, your your channel and and what you've got going on over there. Uh, I've talked a lot about me more than I've talked about you here. Tell us some more about what you've got going on, or just you know, pick something to talk about, or tell us a story. One of your favorites. I know you mentioned Baba Yaga, and uh, and that. What what other stories? Do you like what fascinates you? What uh, some more of the more of those paranormal experiences? I love those. Um, I love Bloody Mary. I love you know I love our urban legends. I absolutely love urban legends. I haven't been quite doing them lately. Uh, people didn't really seem to be well. I can't say that they all haven't done good because the Bloody Mary one has like sixteen hundred views. People loved it. I did. I covered Bloody Mary, which I absolutely love. I do. I love. Uh, I love urban legends, like uh, in every little town. Like, well, we we've always talked about, um, you know, uh, anything like any kind of urban legend from from every every state or every country. That's what I'm really into. Oh, and I'm going to start doing those again. I think I might do yeah, something. Now, I haven't heard any foreign ones, but over on uh, thirteen past midnight, I made a a multi video series of uh, urban legends that oh, we believed so as kids. And there yes. was stuff that I knew, you know, there was a friend of a friend, uh, usually stuff my mom had heard at the beauty shop and I just uh -huh. knew it was true. And then I started reading uh, Jan Harold Brunvon. He's a, some sort of professor in Utah, but he started writing about the urban legends and stuff in the eighties. He came oh, out. I love with, that. Uh, I think his first book was the vanishing hitchhiker and then he followed that up with the choking Doberman, curses borrowed again, and the midnight baby train. I think that's all of his books. Oh, but there that. were stories in there that I'd heard growing up that happened locally. You know, supposedly that wow. weren't at all. It was just a basically an adult version of the telephone game. But uh, it was kind mm -hmm. of a letdown in a way to find out that you know this didn't really happen at least not <laughs> in in my area. But fascinating how. Those things have legs. They take on a life of their own. And I, I love urban legends, but I would love to hear some from other countries. I've heard a few from I'm going to be working on Japanese, the Japanese oh, urban that, legends. Those are amazing. So, yeah, the slit mouth woman. Um, a, lot of, a lot of them are like at the bathroom stalls at schools. And so really scary. They have some really scary stuff uh, for Japan. Like they're very like savage. Like here, you know, we have ours, but Japan are scary but I, I love scary so it's going to be really neat yeah i'm looking forward to that i'll have to check that out and uh maybe one night we can have you back on here just to talk urban legends yeah i love urban legends that would be cool you know the, the hitchhiker uh, uh the the girl that gets the call the babysitter that gets the call from upstairs i yeah. love that one too 
Attention all Ground Zero radio fans. GroundZeroMerch.com is your one-stop shop for all things Ground Zero. Oh, wow. Show off your style with our exclusive collection of T-shirts and hoodies. They're not just comfortable, they're conversation starters. Need to keep hydrated during those long listen sessions. Get your hands on our durable water bottles. And now introducing our latest additions, a hand-picked selection of intriguing books that will keep your mind buzzing. GroundZeroMerch.com. Support Ground Zero and everything we do. Are you brave enough to step into the unknown, where shadows whisper and secrets unfold? Welcome to Ground Zero Radio, your gateway to the other side, now within reach on iOS, Android, and Alexa. Dive deep into the abyss with Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis. Unravel mysteries with the secret teachings and explore the unexplained in Into the Parabnormal. Listen to live radio and podcasts, read our latest articles, and message the station all in our new mobile apps. Download the Ground Zero radio app today, now available in the App Store. So mysterious. So, definitely. What's your favorite urban legend? Oh, gosh. I, I, I like all of them to some degree. Vancing Hitchhiker, though. That's a, I love that one because I'd heard that one. There's um, a place in the Smokies where they tell that about. Uh, used to be, um, can't remember the, they changed the name of the road, and I can't remember the old name or the new name right now. Uh, Roaring Fork. Uh, yeah. there, 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 there was a story there in the Smokies about that, and then heard it a lot of other places, and then some of the really frightening ones from that my mom heard at the beauty shop when I was a kid, like uh, the mutilated boy where. Uh, Kid oh goes God. to the bathroom by himself, and as part of a gang initiation, they uh, oh cut God. a certain part of him off. And that was a cautionary tale to me to not to go to the bathroom by myself. For oh the days of Walmart and stuff, we had a, a local store called Almart, A L M A R T, and the one on Clinton Highway is where it happened. I remember I was in there with my parents one time, and I had to go to the bathroom. And rather than risk going in the bathroom, I went outside by myself, I'm eight years old went around behind the building in the dark and peed on the wall. That was probably much more dangerous than, than going in the bathroom. But I heard that story, you know, and another one that my mom brought home from the beauty parlor that was always frightening was uh, the Avon lady that wasn't an Avon lady. Oh my God. Actually a man. And um, uh, the person had asked to use the bathroom and she let him in there and she thought they'd been in there while I went to check on them. She opens the door and it's not an Avon lady at all, but a man, and he's nude. She oh. runs out uh, and yells for the neighbor. He comes over with his pistol. Uh, they go in. The guy has fled out the bathroom window and left behind his Avon sample case. And in it, there's like handcuffs and a hang of oh. rope and a hatchet or something. You know, that that was told as true. It happened in a neighborhood just up the highway, you know, but that that's in there, too. I had never heard that ever. That's a good I'll one. I can find in my research that I was doing for those videos. I've got a bunch of stuff that I can send you that maybe you can use some of it. Thank uh, you. Another one uh, supposedly happened at West Town Mall there in Knoxville. A girl was finishing her cashier shift, came out late at night, and uh, there was somebody hiding under her car. And, uh, the manager from another store happened to see it and scared him off. He was hiding under a car with an, um, 
a box cutter and oh was uh, supposedly going to cut her Achilles tendon so she couldn't run away and then do something to her and just oh all gosh. kinds of things like that. And it's all about, you know, trusting the wrong people or being mm-hmm. in the, the, the wrong place at the wrong time. And these things happen. Most of them cautionary tales, but cautionary tales. somewhere there's a nugget of truth in there that yeah. happened somewhere. And then it got passed from one locale to another and embellished and added on to a little bit each time. Now, is that your experience, what you're finding uh, in researching these? Are you finding similar stories in, in different geographical locations? That would be a good live or a good video, definitely. All those cautionary urban legends. Yeah. So has, has that been your experience, though? Do you find that? They're similar, but they change from area from yes. one area of the country to another. Yeah, that, that's kind of what I figured once I started reading those Brunvon books. It's like, I heard this is a kid. I heard this is a kid. I heard that one. You know, and they yeah. were all just a bunch of hooey, basically. But again, somewhere I think it probably did happen or a similar incident mm-hmm. happened somewhere. And it got made into an urban legend. Urban legend, yes, exactly. And then they, you know, you at least get those cautionary, you know, like oh, now I need to watch out when I'm go, tr- walking out. <laughs> you know. Uh, and the other one, the, the killer in the back seat, I like that one. I remember that. Where uh, the lady, uh, somebody behind her keeps flashing her light, their lights, yeah. and get her to pull over, and it turns out there was a maniac in the back seat with an axe. Yes. And every time he'd raise up, the guy would flash his lights and then finally got her to pull over. Um, I love that one. I had a similar one about a lady that pulled in to get gas. And the guy says, oh, your credit card's been declined and you'll, you'll have to come inside. And she's like, well, it, it can't be declined. I've got, you know, thousands of dollars on there. Sorry, ma'am. You need to come in or I'm going to call the police. She ends up, she's mad. She goes in. And while they're in there, he locks the door gas station tenant and she's like what's going on and he said look and then they see the guy with the axe get out of her car and run off into the woods you know it's, oh it's like i saw him back there and didn't want to scare you so wow. did, did that really happen or is that just an urban legend who's to say that's a good one that is a good one see that see does really interest me i love this. And then another one uh the tell the hook where the the guy's out with his date and they're parked in a lover's lane and they hear on the radio that a maniac has escaped from the lunatic asylum. And the one distinguishing feature, he has a hook hand. Yes. Heard so that the girl one. gets scared, wants to leave. The guy's kind of upset. He gets mad. He floors it and takes off. And then when they go, he gets her home. He goes around to open her door and let her out. And they're hanging from the door handle is uh, the hook. The guy had 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 a hold of the the door handle and uh, the hook got ripped out when he put the car and took off. I've heard that one. There's so many of them. Again, yeah. we have you back sometime, and we'll do a whole show of nothing but urban legends. Oh, that would be fun. That would be a lot of fun, definitely. And uh, I- yeah, I've got some research materials I'll send you to help oh, you, you in your endeavors and to talk about next time you come on here. Yes. Thank you. So I love those urban legends. Could do a whole a whole video on those. <laughs> that would be neat. I, I did a, a video once on Texacana, the trucks Texacana murders, and uh, it was kind of like that hook thing. So that was pretty neat. Well, you you asked me. Now I'll ask you. What's your favorite urban legend, or maybe a couple of them, if you'd like. My favorite urban legend, of, of course, I. Would, <laughs> 
it's always going to be Bloody Mary. I love Bloody Mary. Um, I also like the the babysitter where she's babysitting and she gets the call. Uh, have you check the children? And then eventually um, she finds out that the person is calling from within the house. And then uh, I, I can't, well, some of them, I think she gets murdered. They found her murdered. And I think some of them she gets away. But I like that one. And didn't they um, make a movie about that one? Yeah. And I think the guy like on the phone, he's like, have you checked the children lately? Yeah. She's, she's hanging up and stuff. And then the police yeah. call back and say, he's inside the house. We traced the call. Get out, get out, get out. Actually, they made a couple of them. They have yeah, a old so. one. When a stranger yep. calls and then there's yes. another one. And one kind of similar to that, uh, I know who you are and I saw what you did. Yes. Did you see that one? Yeah, I saw that as a kid. Scared the crap out of me. <laughs> And now I'm going to be doing one on the the legend of the 13 curves or the couple, the newlywed couple or driving around that very curvy road in Cedarville. Uh, I think, I believe this is New York, right? And it's got like a 13 sharp I, curves. I think so I've, I've heard of it, but I don't, don't know enough of the backstory to, to tell it. But if, if you know that one, no, if you'd favor us with it, that'd be great. But uh, this one, yes, I don't know too much yet, but I do know this is about 60 years ago. The newlywed couple were driving on Cedarville Road, which is very curvy. Like there's like 13 big, big curves. And then um, they, of course, wrecked um, and they both passed away. And But she kind of stayed on. And then like, so when, when cars go down that road, they all like see a, a woman like in their car and then she just disappears. So they think that's her. So that's kind of all I really know at the moment, but it's going to be pretty neat. And it's called the legend of the 13 curves. And it's talking about, you know, the ghost bride who they see on the side of the road and sometimes in the car in her white dress. Yeah, so, that, that's something I've thought about doing a video about for uh, 13 Past Midnight is haunted just, roads, because there's a lot of them out there. Um, and down south in particular, just about any little community there, um, there's a, a crybaby bridge. And yes. then of course, you've got really famous ones like Clinton Road in New Jersey and also Shades of Death Road, also hmm. in New Jersey. And so many legends just on Clinton Road. There's a there's a guy I used to watch on YouTube that like that was just almost every video they'd uh, wait till dark and go to Clinton Road and see what happened. And again, I think a lot of it was just made for entertainment, but it, it was still yeah. frightening to watch. I mean, people love to be scared. Oh yeah, definitely. Especially from a distance that way, a movie or something uh -huh. you watch on YouTube yes. where you can hear you, but it ain't going to get you unless you go there necessarily. I think I have one here. The most haunted uh stretches of road i just put everything kind of in this little notepad um yeah just so much so many get, get so many ideas but yeah there is there is so many haunted roads that would be a good one that'd be a good one I, know, I did one about uh haunted and cursed vehicles that that was mm -hmm. an interesting one and uh i do a blog too over on substack uh, around the campfire and uh, i've been working on some stuff over there about cursed films and cursed objects and uh, there's a lot oh. of stuff out there once you start digging into it that's a good one cursed objects 
Definitely. Like how they get cursed, you know. Yeah, there's there's one there's like a chair that anybody that sits in it dies, and it's in like near a pub or a bar or a restaurant or something. So they've got it hung up near the ceiling where nobody can sit in it, but everybody knows the legend. Oh, and um, of course, there's famous curses like the Hope Diamond and the curse yes, of yes. Tut's tomb and things like that. But some of those, you know, I don't know how much validity there is to that, but there's, I think there's some. There's, I mean, there's those have to start somewhere. Now, growing up watching Definitely. horror films, I was never afraid of the mummy. I thought just outrun him or throw a match at him. You know, the <laughs> mummy mummy moves slow. I was more afraid of the, <laughs> the wolf man or something. You know, that could catch me. Um, yeah. what, what scares you if if you're watching something to get scared? What kind of horror film do you like? The slasher films or more of the psychological horror or? A good ghost story or, or i like good ghost what? stories i love a good good ghost story i don't know if it's more the the scariness i like scariness but i like the mysterious part of it so i like a good scary film but i, I like it to have like a you know like a mystery to it i love that kind of stuff but if it's gonna scare me yes it's got to be like um nowadays you have the 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 undead where they're actually running like back when I was little, they were just like, you know, walking and like yeah, zombies don't run. They don't swim. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm more <laughs> of a George Romero zombie fan. You know, Night of the Living Dead. Those yeah. are the kind of zombies I like. Yeah. And the same with vampires. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Twilight. Uh, my no. name vampire doesn't sparkle. I think. Yeah. My little ghosty was the, the preeminent uh, Dracula. Yes. My girls really like that kind of stuff, but yeah, you're right. I, I like more of the the old school, yeah, Dracula and, and stuff yeah, like that. I, I kind of enjoyed the slasher stuff for a little while, especially in the 80s. You know, you had yeah. uh, Friday the 13th and you had uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, but they just, I think they ran those into the ground. They made some of the first Halloween, mm -hmm, that, mm -hmm. uh, John Carpenter version. That was one of the scariest films I'd ever seen. And I knew people that were impacted by that, people that, Oh. You know, we're scared to death. I knew a girl that I went to school with that uh, walked into the basement after seeing that and ended up stabbing her brother's uh, heavy mm -hmm. white punching bag. You know, he had a big uh, heavy yeah. bag down there that he worked out with. And she bumped it and it bumped her back and she grabbed a knife and stuck in it. But it was oh. a, a punching bag. So that was <laughs> good, good. But that, you know, the idea of something evil that you just can't kill. You know, Dr. Loomis shot him six times and he went out yeah. the window and he got up and ran away that I, I enjoyed so even some of the later uh, films in that franchise but I used to uh, love Poltergeist yeah love that one that's one of the cursed films uh, yes because of all the, the deaths associated with it and part mm -hmm. of the reason was supposedly because in uh, the scene with Joe Beth Williams where she's in the swimming pool and the skeletons are popping up they used that's actual right. human Pearl. skeletons from India I think it was and she didn't know it at the time, but there's other things there. But do you yeah, think that might have been what cursed that set? That's one of the theories. And of course, The Exorcist. Uh, that's yeah. That's a frightening film, from my perspective, because uh, my brother, who was a Pentecostal minister, that was part yeah. of his ministry. He had a deliverance oh. ministry. They had services where they would cast demons out of people, and I wouldn't stick around for that, but. 
he would tell stories that would curl your hair of stuff. That evil, would scare me right there. Demonic stuff that he came up against. And I don't want anything to do with anything. Demonic. I can't watch I, anything like that. Yeah. It just, it's too disturbing to me just because I know yeah. the reality of it from stuff I've seen and heard from a Pentecostal side of it. Attention all Ground Zero radio fans. GroundZeroMerch.com is your one-stop shop for all things Ground Zero. Oh, wow. Show off your style with our exclusive collection of T-shirts and hoodies. They're not just comfortable, they're conversation starters. Need to keep hydrated during those long listen sessions. Get your hands on our durable water bottles. And now introducing our latest additions, a hand-picked selection of intriguing books that will keep your mind buzzing. GroundZeroMerch.com. Support Ground Zero and everything we do. Definitely. That's one thing that, that, that does scare me is uh, that uh, oh, goodness. <laughs> um, I can't think of right now. Uh, like demons, demons and, and stuff like that. I can't, I just can't. Yeah. Especially true life stuff like that. Like the, the exorcism type movies. And I have watched the exorcist. I, Figured I owed it to myself to watch it at least once. And it's disturbing. That's another cursed film. A Did you watch people, the old one? The, yeah, the, the original? original one with Linda Blair. I haven't seen any of the remakes, but okay. I read the book by William Peter Blatty when I was, I think I was in grade school or maybe high school when that came out. The, the film follows it pretty closely, but the book is one of those that I didn't read it at night or I'd have to put it down. And, yeah go watch cartoons or the three stooges or something <laughs> and come back to it because it's it's that frightening just from a religious perspective for me now everybody may not feel that way but uh that one's another cursed film a lot of things happened on the set a lot of people that okay. were in that film had strange things happen to them or their loved ones and i don't know I, that's to me stuff like that's not something to be taken lightly or that you fool around with so you really do believe in these curses? Oh, the demonic side of it, I do. Yeah. And I think things can uh, pick up evil. I think people can be. Uh, I've known of people that were doing the end of things that they shouldn't be and attracted things like that demonic energy mm -hmm. to them. I think that can happen unknowingly and unwittingly. And again, it's, you know, if you don't know what you're fooling with, you, exactly. you're inviting trouble. That's why I, I don't, I do not play with Ouija boards. I have. I got the first one I ever owned when I was six years old. My mom bought it for me. Oh, that's neat. But, uh, later in life, yeah, I don't, I don't fool with them now. I've, I'll, I'll watch other people do it, but there's just something, again, like my grandma on the tarot cards, there's some kind of energy with that that I don't like. Yes. And, uh, it doesn't feel right to me. It feels very dark, very negative. And uh, my experiences with a, with a child were, were great. But again, I didn't really realize what I was just messing with. Even though my mom did it with me, she'd done it with her family and things. But yeah, it's not anything I would be interested in. Now, I, that was another video I did on 13, uh, 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 allegedly true Ouija board stories. And some of them are just very, very frightening. Oh, yes, definitely. Uh I don't know if it's because of what I've watched or or what, but my mom always was against them too. Like never, ever, ever touch a Ouija board. And I did, I think when I was nine and nothing, you know, nothing happened. But um, even though I am a card reader, 
you know, I, I do try to do all these apps like the communicating with, you know, the dead. I, I still feel like I should not touch a Ouija board. <laughs> so, yeah, you know. I just I, I would prefer not to. And like I said, I'll watch other people do it. And I'm kind of fascinated by it. And uh, I've been at parties and things where. Mm-hmm. When it was my turn to ask a question, the board knew what it was talking about. And even though I didn't know anybody there, so there's there's something there. There's I again I don't know if it's some sort of a psychokinesis or something out there that we all have that they're just tapping into it that way, or if it is something dark and possibly demonic. Exactly. I'm afraid like there's like this door that opens and then if you don't close it a certain way or if you're trying to communicate and they they can get in and i i do feel like that and i'm, I'm so i just don't mess with them yeah um, i've got some a story on the, the first episode of midnight mailbox which is a, another podcast that i have uh where listeners send in their true paranormal submissions uh, a friend of nicole's from connecticut it's her sister's story about all this stuff that went on with the Ouija board. It's, it's some scary stuff. Again, not anything that I want to fool with, but uh, I'll, I'll gladly narrate other people's stories. Yeah. I, I, I like, I love listening to the stories, uh, watching the movie, some of the movies on them. I definitely do. Uh, you know, I've heard a lot of different stories too. And I think it's interesting. I just, myself, uh, I don't want to be uh, <laughs> the main character. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. It's definitely interesting, and 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 I don't know. Uh, I guess I'm kind of I don't I don't consider myself dark or anything like that. Like I said before, but uh, I, I like my cards. I love my cards, and and I think also a lot of it has to do with the intent that mm-hmm. that you're using it for, especially with cards and things like that. If you're using it to help somebody or to give them affirmations or insight, that's one thing. There's there's not a a darkness associated with that, at least not in my experience. Uh, your minds may vary, but that's the way I see it. If that's you try to help me somebody, too. It's, it's a tool, but uh, mm-hmm. like any tool, it can be misused. I mean, a shovel is a tool. It can be used for good things, but you could injure somebody with it on purpose. You know, mm-hmm. then it exactly. becomes a weapon. And I, I feel that way about uh, boards and, and talking boards and really anything like that. It's, it's the intent. Yeah, it's like um, with I, when I use like the hacked radio to try to communicate or the cards, anything, I try to keep it uh, positive. Uh, you know, I've been doing it for like six years. Uh, everything seems to be positive. Um, like I said, I don't want anything negative, definitely. But I really enjoy the, the cards. Um, and a lot of people do the Ouija board too, and, they're, and they're, they seem to be fine. Yeah. Again, I don't know. It just it's not for me. That's about all yeah. I can say for, for yeah. tarot and for Ouija boards and things like that. Pendulum dowsing. I love that. I can do that. I can do the water dowsing. My dad could do that. He taught yeah. me how to do it. But I don't feel any darkness or any like I'm you yes. know uh playing with evil if I'm dowsing for water, you know. Exactly. That's how I feel uh, here in my office, uh, all my cards and um I wouldn't mind doing the, the dowsing or the, I have a pendulum, pendulum, uh, pendulum. Um, I don't know if you can say pendulum, pendulum. Um, I say pendulum, but 
Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm from down south. We call it a pendulum, but I think it is oh, a pendulum. pendulum. Okay. I, I'm probably mispronouncing it. But um, I said, I've, I've tried some of that and I've tried the map dowsing, uh, especially some of these missing person cases. Oh. And there are people that can do that. I, I haven't had any uh, luck with it, but you never know until you try. Well, that would be neat. That would be definitely I, worth I would a love try. To, to help find people. You know, that, that that's basically the whole impetus for Among the Missing is, you know, to be mm -hmm. the voice of those that no longer have a voice and to keep their names and faces out there. And uh, mission statement, if we can bring one person home or worst case scenario, give one family closure, then we're doing what we've been led to do. And uh, there are channels that do adventures with purpose. You know, they go out, they found cars submerged mm -hmm. in water and, and solve some missing cases that way and things. I, and I applaud those guys that are doing that kind of work. Oh, I've seen that too. That is, uh, they have been finding people missing for years, uh, bringing them, you know, back to their families. So definitely. Yeah. And again, you know, it's, it's about the closure and, mm -hmm. uh, I had somebody in the, the chat not too long ago or in the comments say that there's no such thing as closure, but I think to a degree there is, it's never completely closed, but to not know, I think would be the worst. If you had a missing loved one and you didn't exactly. know what happened to them, if you didn't know, well, are they still alive? Are they hurt? Or do they have amnesia? Are they being held against their will? But at least, you know, if you get, if you, you do find remains or whatever, you've mm -hmm. got that sense, you've got, a grave that you can visit or an urn that you can memorialize yes. them in. And that would be something rather than always, always wondering and never wondering, knowing yes. because of these cases where like the Dennis Martin case where he went missing and uh, the father, you know, never gave up hoping, but yes. yet he died without any closure whatsoever. And that's, that's just, I can't imagine how gut wrenching it is exactly. to go through something like that. And just that, horrible empty feeling of not knowing as a parent i would want to know i would want to know i would want my child you know either way i want that closure you, you do get and i've heard parents um of missing children say you know i want to know yeah. i want to know bring them home either way so i can yeah. imagine yeah, yeah. and I've, I've interviewed uh surviving parents like that and you know it's just a horrible horrible thing but they said i would rather know than not know what exactly. happened or always wonder and that's either way it's got to be just you know mm -hmm. i can't imagine i can't uh, trying to put myself in their shoes but exactly give them that closure though i would want it i, I can't imagine either that is a great thing though that you're doing uh, with the missing persons. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I appreciate your help with uh, some of the stuff that you're helping us with over there, some research and things helping. Yeah, anytime. We appreciate that. And um, anytime. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've got a few minutes left here. Anything else you'd like to cover? Anything about your channel? Anything you've got going on? What do you do for distraction when you're not? doing these uh, horror stories or whatever. What do you like to do that's just enjoyable? Are you an outdoors person or are you a sports person? Or what do you do aside from all that? Um, well, because I'm 
a mom. I have four daughters. Three of them are grown. One is 14. She's my one at home. And then I'm also a grandma. So uh, like my daughter, Megan, uh, she just had a, her little boy. So um, oh, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. So really um, just being trying to be a mom to all four of them. And you think it, it all stops when they're adults, but it, it doesn't. You know, yeah, I can attest to that. <laughs> yeah. So I got the the daughters I have to help and guide. And, and then I'm going to go up and see the grandbaby and spoil him. Well, I got a couple of them, but he's the newest. So that's kind of my my thing. When I'm not uh, researching or narrating or working on my channel. Um, it's just being mom and, and grandma. And I really, yeah. I, I love it. It keeps me so busy. So busy. Yeah. yeah. No doubt. Well, what do your your daughters think of what you do? Are they listeners of your channel and big fans, or do they pay much attention to it? Or how how does that go? I wish they would be more into it. Um, I do catch my oldest, uh, Deanna. She'll go and listen to to my um on my stuff, and she's very, very, very proud of me. And then Megan, she's twenty two, and then Brooke is eighteen. They don't really care. I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Then my 14-year-old is like really, 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 really proud and trying to help me write and help, trying to help me research. And she acts like she's older than all of them. She's very, very, very independent. And I mean, they're, they're all independent and smart, but she's like the, she acts like she's older. So she's always trying to help mama and very proud of me. So I just hope to leave them something someday, like all these narrations and they can say, hey, that's my mama, you know? Yeah. And then that's kind of the way I feel about my book, books yeah. too. That'll be a legacy for me to leave exactly. and, and the videos and things. I don't think uh, YouTube's going anywhere anytime soon, but I hope someday that uh, my grandkids or great grandkids, if yes. I ever have any, will uh, be able to look back at that and say, wow, you know, Papa was something else. Exactly. <laughs> or they yeah. might be embarrassed by the whole thing. Who knows? <laughs> But, no, I think they're going to be very proud. Uh, I, I think the books, at least, they'll be proud of. Again, I'm not, it ain't Shakespeare, it ain't Stephen King, but it's, you know, it's mine. It's, it's you, it's you, yeah. And that's always a good feeling to to put pen to paper, as it were, fingers to keys, and and write something that, that people want to read. And, you know, having bestsellers and things, that's a great feeling. I never, never thought. I was just, that's you know, amazing. I'll, I'll do this. I want to write, here we go. And then all this just kind of fell into it backwards and, and love it. It's amazing. So I encourage you to write. I mean, that's anybody listening to this. Uh, everybody's got a story or stories that they can tell. And uh, it's, it's easier than it seems, but it's also harder and dedication and persistence and getting that discipline. Like I'm going to yeah. you know, set aside a time every day or five days a week or three days a week or on the weekends that I'm going to write this. And you, you have to get in that mindset. And it's one of those things, the more you do it, the easier it gets. Or That's been my experience. And again, anybody else's mileage may vary. But. but all the hard work, all the hard, 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 hard work makes it even better, doesn't it? Like in the end, you're like, I did this. You, know, you get that sense of accomplishment. You know, sometimes it's, thank God that's done. What's <laughs> next? But there is a, a, a sense of pride and accomplishment there that, I did it, you know, and I, I finished it. And because I've got awesome. so many projects in flux, you know, especially some of the film scripts and things like that, that take a lot of tweaking and a lot of rewrites and stuff. And that's 
my least favorite part of it. Yeah. And if there's anything I enjoy as much, if not more than writing, is to show up somewhere and talk about my books or talk about my writing. I like to do the book signings and going on shows like this or YouTube channels and things. Does it oh, take like practice for you to like start like actually being able to talk about it and tell about it rather than like for me, it's easier to put into like a script and tell about it and talk about it. But like with you, yeah, you could just... I just, I, I love the extemporaneous speaking. That was, I could do that in college. Um, I remember when I first took that class, they would give you a subject on a note card and you had five minutes to prepare. I told the professor, I said, if I've got five minutes to prepare, that's not extemporaneous. I want you to hand me the card when I take the podium. And like all the other students in the class were just aghast. You know, they were freaking out because <laughs> they only had five minutes. I didn't want to five minutes. And I just, I've got to give to Gab. Now it did take me a while to get used to doing it in front of people and on camera and things. I yeah. said for a long time, I would never show my face on YouTube. Now you can't get me off the thing. But, uh, I was always shy and backward. I was the one that hated having to stand up and give a report or anything like that. But again, it, it's easier once you get to do it. You know, you're afraid of ridicule or afraid of failure. Yes. But I think the only thing worse than that fear of failure is to have a fear of success. And you don't know what you can do until you try. So That's I neat. encourage you and anybody listening, if you have the, the least inclination that you want to write something, give it a try. You never know. I didn't know I could do it until I did it. Same with the narrating. Definitely inspiring. I can listen to you sit there and, and narrate and talk and, and stuff. It's very inspiring. Well, so. thank you. And again, I hope I inspire you and a lot of other people to 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 follow your passion to find something that that you're good at. And my dad always told me that. It, boy, if you could find a way to get paid for talking, you'd be sad. <laughs> or, or the other thing, the, on a more uh, less joking level, he'd say, find something you love to do, find a way to get paid for it, and you'll never work a day in your life. And that's that's true. And I, sadly, I didn't get here until I was you know in my 50s, but it made for a nice early retirement. And this, uh, the books and YouTube and the podcast and stuff, that's all I do. That's all I've done for years. That's neat. But uh, it's, you know, I'm comfortable and uh, I enjoy what I do. And Nicole loves it too. And uh, she likes to edit. She likes to write. And uh, just so many ways we're a match made in heaven. She's literally the other part of me, the part that's always been missing. So Isn't that neat? Yeah, it that's is. So it's the most wonderful feeling ever. Oh, I'm happy. That's awesome. That's very awesome. You found your other piece and you guys yeah. are just doing this and that's great. Yeah. New journeys. Now we talked about some of the, the projects you've done and, and some that you've really enjoyed. What was the hardest narration that you've ever done? For me, it was when I had to do like maybe some cases or, or like even in school, write a paper or give mm -hmm. a talk on something that I just really wasn't into and it was like torture, you know, just to drag it out of myself. Has there ever been anything like that that you thought was a good idea? And then once you got into it, like, I don't know about this, but you persevered and got to the end. Um, Have you had anything like that that was just. Uh, yeah, I was actually going to do some true crime on my channel and it just kept um, triggering me. And a lot of people were messaging me and saying, you know, it's very triggering and so it was just, it, it wasn't the right thing. It's because I wanted to kind of bring like, I wanted these cases to be out there 
and to be, you know, like, hey, don't forget us or, you know, yeah. that, that was and, my point. And there's so many evil people out there. It's hard to cover that stuff. Now, back in the 80s, um, I covered uh, like the crime beat for the local newspapers and stuff. I was yeah. also a stringer for those. Do you remember those true crime magazines like you used to see in the drugstore, like Startling Detective and and things like that? I used to cover cases for that. And uh, I think Nietzsche said it best that when you peer into the abyss, the abyss also peers into you. And yeah. I found that true, especially with the true crime. It's that way with the missing people. Sometimes you yeah. get so gets into your skin, especially the children and mm-hmm. the old people, the senior citizens that go missing. Yes. Um, that those affect me the worst. But some of those tr- crime cases, you have to dig in and do the research and literally it's by proxy, but you relive that case. Exactly. And, and it just, um, I've got it, the, the startings of a true crime channel, but I've never done anything with it yet. I keep thinking someday, but again, just, I know it took its toll on me. Yes. Psychically before when I wrote about it a lot and covered it. And, uh, you know, I went to murder trials and things like that. And it, oh, it's just, uh, I, I don't think I can do it anymore. It's just, it, too much gets under your skin or does mind. And part really of that's being an empath and mm-hmm. having more feelings. I mean, when you have that, you're anything that other people feel, I feel that times 10 is yes. the way I've tried to describe it. And that includes, you know, the bad things, the horrible things, the, mm-hmm. the nightmares that people have had to live through and the exactly. nightmares that people have, have died during, you know, it's just, yeah. I don't know. So, no easy choices with some of this stuff. You know, you like you said, you want to keep those cases out there, if nothing else, for cautionary tales. Exactly. So other people won't get in those situations, but there's some some sad, horrible, tragic stuff out there, and just definitely uh, as the old saying goes, the evil that men and women do mm-hmm. to one another sometimes. It's just it's terrible. And I've, I've said I covered uh, one serial killer that was responsible, Israel Keys for a lot of missing people. And it's just, the man was uh, the devil incarnate almost. And just yet to his family and his daughter and stuff, he was just dad, but yeah, it's going out on the weekends and stashing kill kits and national parks and on the other side of the country. And they would go back and wait and these crimes of opportunity. And then he had his stuff there to apply his evil trade and just, you know, I mean, he had to sit and think about these things and plan plan and he was good at it. They think he was responsible for even more than the the dozen or so murders that they were able to hang on him. And again, you have the Ted Bundy's and uh, Mm -hmm. Jeffrey Dahmer's and people like that who are just, I I don't know. I, I can't wrap my mind around such evil twisted things as that. Exactly. As I, uh, I can't either. I can't. I can't understand how you, you, you. Oh, like how could you erase someone and then you just don't know and like they just turn into these, or they are these monsters. I just don't know. Like yeah, how, what makes is, that's that's a good term. And uh, there's a book. Uh, I think it's those who fight monsters or something like that. And it's talking about like these FBI profilers and people that have to. I mean, that's their job mm-hmm. to get into mm-hmm. the heads of these evil murderous people and then try to predict what they're going to do next, where they're going to do it, or look for some way that they're going to slip up and get caught. Exactly. And that would be interesting. Uh, Definitely try to 
profile them, get into their heads. And I mean, I wouldn't want to, but I mean, it's interesting because then it helps, you know, and it tries to help like, you know, how to stop them and definitely, but yeah. So yeah, true crime is a lot of people love true crime. Uh, you can find the right people to watch it. And definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a fascinating genre. The, the books sell like crazy. I'll never forget one time when I was into it. Um, I was in a bookstore and I was looking through the true crime section. There's a little old lady there. Could have been my grandmother, maybe my great grandmother. And uh, she pulls a book off the shelf and she said, have you read this one? And I, no, ma'am, I haven't. She said, oh, you'll like it. He kills everybody with an axe. Oh, and wow. it, this wasn't, you know, this was true stuff. It was true stories. It wasn't a novel or a, yeah. or anything like that. This was real stories. And she was just, you know, I said, little sweet little old grandma looking lady. And, <laughs> And she was delighted, you know, to recommend this book. Oh, you'll love this one. He does it with an axe, you know. And like, oh, oh gosh. Yeah. And uh, just I've so met some some interesting folks when I was doing that sort of thing. And you have, uh, I call them like true crime junkies that mm-hmm, can't mm-hmm. get enough of it. When I would go cover those trials and things for the, the newspapers and things, I would see people at the, some of those trials that were just there. To, yes. uh, as, as spectators, because they love to hear those first-person accounts of the testimony and see this evil person and see the family that all this had happened to. And that was the part that bothered me, you know. Yes. Those trials that I covered, it was hard to sit there and look at those people and think, you know, I'm looking at the person that did this, yeah. these horrible atrocities to other living people, and here they're sitting here maybe with a half-smile on their face. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not a bit sad or uh, upset, they're brazenly guilty. Some of them, that scary, is crazy. scary world that, that is. we live in, Cassie. It really is. Uh, I've been kind of peeking on some of those true crime channels because there's a lot out there and covering. I don't know how they do it. They, you know, they cover like all these, all these monsters, like the things that they do, and it's so bad for the, you know, the families. Yeah, oh. there's, there's certain ones that I like. There's one called that chapter. As an okay. Irish guy called Mike or Moik, as he says, and he he kind of tries to interject some humor into it, but yeah, again, he he does a good job, but he covers some just horrible, horrible cases, and uh, probably the grittiest one that I've ever seen in my entire life. There's a guy uh, he used to be a producer for Dateline, I think Dateline NBC, but he was like the UK correspondent. He's Canadian born, but lived in the UK. I think I've got that right. And his uh, YouTube channel is called Dead Bug Says. And I mean, each one of those is like, I mean, a TV style documentary. They are very oh, well researched and put together. But he covers some of the most horrific cases I've ever seen. And he doesn't pull any punches. I don't see how he's still on YouTube. Uh, he's not and will never be monetized. He's okay. supported through Patreon and things like that. But uh, I don't want to recommend it and have somebody. Yeah. shocked or, or horrified by it, but that's as gritty as it gets for true crime that I've ever seen in anything. Wow. Some people can do it. I, I personally couldn't do it, but there's a lot of people out there that can, that's their thing. They can, they cover it, they cover these cases and they, they cover them well. Is there one case in particular that, that you're just fascinated by? For me, it's the Son of Sam case. I remember when all that happened and I've delved into a lot. There's a guy I think his name's Manny that has a YouTube channel that he goes out and investigates a lot of those places that are linked to the son of Sam and he's uncovered stuff. He's had 
uh, surviving victims on there. He's had witnesses. He's He really digs into it. I'm just, something about that case just fascinates me. And I agree with his findings. I don't think it was all David Berkowitz. I think there was a group of people that were in on that. It, it makes sense the way he puts the facts out there. Really good book by Mari Terry called The Ultimate Evil that digs into that too. Do you have one like that that sort of your go-to that you love to hear about? I'm 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 obsessed with the John Benet Ramsey case. I had that obsession too. Kept thinking any day now they're going to find her. They're going to solve there. They're going to find her killer. They're going to solve this. They're going to solve this. Never. There's another one with no closure. I have some pet theories. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have time to get into yeah. it here. We've only got about two minutes left. They only got two hours here. But, uh, yeah, that one, that's – I think that was bungled by the, the police and law enforcement yes. from the word go. I think yes. there was some collusion there with the family. I think there's mm-hmm. cover-ups. And, Definitely. And, uh, they had a lot of money. I don't want to say anything here that's yeah. – that I get sued for. Yeah. Just, but – I don't think we'll ever know the full story on that. No, one, but that's that's another head scratcher. I think that one was already paid. Yeah. Well, Cassie, we're going to have to wrap it up here for this episode of Everything Out There. Thank you for being here. Maybe next time when you come back, I'll, I'll let you do most of the talking. But uh, as you can tell, oh, I got that was fun. A lot to talk. But I want to have you back to talk specifically about urban legends. We'll plan that as soon as possible. Again, thank you for being here. Uh, thank you for having again, me. Uh, YouTube channel is Tales Told in the Dark. There'll be links in the show notes. Go over and check her out. Tell her Steve sent you. Again, thank, thank you, you for being here. Hope you're having a happy new year and uh, my best to you and yours. And again, thank you for your help with Nicole and myself as well for the, the uh, Among the Missing channel. Anytime. Thank you guys. Our pleasure and my pleasure having you as a guest tonight. Thanks again, Cassie, and uh, we'll be talking to you soon. All right, folks, that's going to wrap it up for tonight. I'm Steve Stockton. You've been listening to everything out there on the Clyde Lewis Ground Zero radio network. I'll see you a little further on down the trail. Tell your animals I said hi. Good night, everybody. Attention all Ground Zero radio fans. GroundZeroMerch.com is your one-stop shop for all things Ground Zero. Oh, wow. Show off your style with our exclusive collection of T-shirts and hoodies. They're not just comfortable, they're conversation starters. Need to keep hydrated during those long listen sessions? Get your hands on our durable water bottles. And now introducing our latest additions, a hand-picked selection of intriguing books that will keep your mind buzzing. GroundZeroMerch.com. Support Ground Zero and everything we do.